Thank you, Pam. And will you join me uh, as we begin this morning with a word of prayer? We're going to be in uh, quite a bit of scripture. And today's message, I really feel like I'm letting uh, God's word speak for itself. Uh, a lot of scripture this morning. So let's pray uh, over this opportunity that we have to let the spirit of God speak to us through his word. Lord, thank you this morning that we get the privilege to open up your word that has been passed on from generation to generation and now is in our hands. We can allow uh, these words of scripture to just fall to the floor or we can allow them to make eternal impact in our lives this morning. So all across this congregation, I pray there be a choice that we make. It says, Lord, I want to hear from you today. I'm ready to hear your word, I'm ready to respond, and I'm ready to hear a message that is fresh for this season in our country, but also, more specifically, this season in my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. There's a story of a couple couple half-wit builders that were nailing wood on the side of a house, and these aren't the brightest bulbs, and Joe one guy's name's Joe, the other guy's name's Larry. He looks over, Joe looks over at Larry and is shocked to see him throwing all the nails that he has. He's throwing them all out from his pouch. He's throwing them down the ladder and just letting them all drop to the ground. And he's looking at each one of them. He's just throwing them over his shoulder. And Joe yells, hey, Larry, what are you doing throwing all those nails away for? We're going to need those. And Larry yells back. He's like, don't yell at me, Joe. It's not my fault. All of these nails have the head on the wrong side. Joe pulls a nail from his own pouch and looks at it for a second and yells back, you know what, Larry, don't do that. We can use them on the other side of the house. So we've been giving the task, the the call to build, but we got to know how to use the stuff that we have been given and to not think that we are in a context where we can't use the stuff that we have been given. To think that we will ever come into a context in our life where this word won't be relevant for for a moment in our life. I hope you're hungry for the word today. I have a lot of of text to share, but we're going to begin the series that we've been talking about. uh, As I asked you the question, how do we maintain unity in the church? What does the church look like in the middle of an election year? And I want to call, we're going to title this series, Building in the Burning. And I believe that we've made so much uh, uh, discussion, even in previous weeks, about what is taking place that through this series, we're really going to focus so much more on the building and what should be happening in our lives in this season. Uh, Despite everything else that's going on around us, we're going to talk about what it means to be men and women of God who in the middle of all of these things learn how to build. We don't know um, when, you know, we, we know when the election is going to end, but we don't know when this whole season of, of change and polarization is going to end. And, but we know that our call through the middle of it will be to continue to learn how to build and recognize that in the middle of this, our role is not to remain stagnant. You have something to build. And this is biblical, so I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 through 23. I'm going to read right off the screen with you. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. 
and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, another analogy, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, I'll just leave that there for a second. We'll get, we'll get to more. You guys, this is uh, in, in a uh, metaphor um, to something as well that, P, that Paul spoke about. This is a coming out of second. This is, excuse me, this is Paul. This is, this, this is from Paul. I'm also going to get back into second Peter. Um, what is often theologically called the judgment seat of Christ. There's two things. There's the great white throne judgment, and there's what's called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is often referred to as the judgment that all Christ followers will have to go through as well. There's this refining, this purifying that we must have when we experience exactly what I just pray, what I just said through this, through that goofy joke that what have we done with the resources that we have been given? Now, it's not a judgment where we are sent to the other place, but it's a judgment where we are purified and we recognize all of our motives, all of our intentions. It's as if we have to be prepared to live in perfect holiness. Um, I always like to share that illustration where if you've spent most of your life, there's this one person that you just could not stand. And all of your life you spent hating that person. And then you're at the great wedding feast and the lights come up and look who you're sitting next to. That's why this purification is necessary, because we, we long for heaven so much, but there's this, there, there's reality, there's stuff that we, we can't bring in there with us. We can't bring bitterness, we can't bring hostility, we can't bring grudgedness. It's a place of the fullness of love, the fullness of holiness, the fullness of peace, and we can't bring our baggage with us. So there is this purification, there is this, what is called the judgment seat of Christ that, that all Christ followers will experience. And Peter, excuse me, Paul is speaking of this, that, of that which takes place now here on this earth. When he says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. And he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. That God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. Kind of like what we talked about last week with humility. If any of you think that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should learn how to admit when you are wrong. 
so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, and as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile, so that no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. This is a long base text for this whole series, Building in the Midst of the Burning. There's a reality that there is a greater leader above all of the leadership and above everything else that has taken place in our world. We are under the ultimate authority of the living God, and we have work to do. And that work is going to be tested, and it's going to be in contrast to a lot of what we see taking place in our world today. When everyone else is burning bridges, Christ followers are called to be the ones that build them. And what building and that commission is not going to change throughout whatever season we are experiencing in our own personal lives as well as in our nation. Because the truth is, our weapons are not the weapons of this world. So we read in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Next, if you put that one up, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish strongholds in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience. When wants your obedience is complete. Last week, we talked about humility and being able to admit that you don't have everything figured out just yet. Being able to admit that you're wrong. And isn't it funny, even the text that we just read in 1 Corinthians 3.8 and 2 Corinthians 10.3-6, how people actually practice the opposite of this when it comes to knowledge. They know something. They, see one, they hear one little thing in the news. No fact-checking, no time to figure out if it's actually true. But we hear just one little thing, and it's, it, 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 it helps us. Uh, it aligns with what we believe, and it, like, excites us. It's like, did you hear? And we want to go tell everybody about it like we know something. And oftentimes, that really gets us in trouble. And so I want you to hear uh, what, what Peter is talking about, what Paul is talking about, right out of Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. There is a, let's just meditate, leave that right up there. Let's just meditate on that word for a minute. The next key to building in the midst of the burning is self-control. To know something and discern whether or not we actually know something or not. And be careful with what we have been given. Be careful with what the resources that we have been given as Paul said, learn how we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Once our self-control 
is complete. So today, the next key is we, last week we talked about humility. The next key to building in the midst of the burning we'll talk about today is self-control. The story of two husbands, or husband and a wife that, that got together in, in, a, in a counseling session. And the, the, uh, the wife was, was saying, you know, the husband's kind of been known to lose his temper. And the wife was saying, when I get mad, when, when I get mad, you remain calm and don't react. The husband's saying this about the, the wife. How do you maintain your self-control? The wife says, I just go and clean the toilet. The husband says, how, does, how in the world does that help? She says, I use your toothbrush. We, we need to have an understanding of what self-control is. And this passage that Pam read to us this morning, I'm going to, to go through it, but I'm not going to read the text. So if you do, Nick's going to put these verses up there for you. But if you do have your Bible, it would be great for you to just take a look at this and, and follow along. We're going to get to the piece about self-control, but I, but I want us to just see how all of this that we've been teaching on is kind of coming together in a lot of different things. I'm going to start with verse 3. and I'm in Second Peter verses 1, 3 through 11. And I'm going to start. Nick's got that there up on the screen for us. But I'm going to start in verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3. It says, we see right there in that verse, we are reminded that he has given us everything that we need. Remember we talked about anxiety last week? Anxiety is a constant feeling of that you don't have something. You need to know something that you don't know. You need to know how it's all going to end. You need to... You're, you're waiting for a moment, and sometimes anxiety is just, you know, a moment is coming and it's not here yet, and you hope everything works out in the meantime. And, but humility, and as the, Lord, as the Word says in this text right here, is recognizing that we have everything that we need. So, so Paul says, since we have every, Peter says, since we have everything that we need, verse 4, through knowing him, knowing him, agnosis, we have, that's the Greek word, agnosis. We have a promise and can participate in our divine nature. We can participate as the people we were created to be. And then verse 5, he gives us then instructions on how to participate in this divine nature. And then he talks about beginning with faith. Faith, believing in something. Remember in a, a while ago I told you that, uh, that in, in the Hebrew culture, when you get to the word faith, you could never say that about yourself. You could not say, I have faith. That was only something someone else would say uh, about you. It, was, it wasn't a confession. It was actually a testimony. Faith was actually a testimony. So he talks about faith, and then he says, Faith goes into, to add to your faith, goodness. Goodness, we all have an innate sense of what is good. In other words, he's saying, do the things that you know are good. And then verse 5, with goodness, after goodness comes knowledge. And this is what he was talking about in verses 2, 3, and 5. He uses the, the Greek words epignosis and gnosis. And what he's referring to here is, is knowledge that comes from personal experience. 
Not knowledge that just comes because you heard a sermon. Not knowledge just be, that just comes because you heard about something in Sunday school class. The kind of knowledge that comes when we've experienced something. We've had some kind of encounter. We've learned, we've allowed these words to be true in our lives because we've taken God at his word and we practice these things. This is the kind of knowing, gnosis, this is the kind of knowledge that, that with, the, with the emphasis epignosis that Peter is referring to in this passage. So we should have faith and we should do the things that we do. And if you do the things, if you have some faith and do the things that you're supposed to do, you're going to get some firsthand experiences with knowledge. And so now that you really know something, that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and It may frustrate you when those in your family or those that are closest to you have not had those experiences like that and you see them making decisions that are counter to what you've experienced. Peter is saying, have some self-control. Continue to grow in your faith. And now don't go off like you... Like you've got you've you've got all kinds of stuff to share. Like you know everything. I remember when I was my when I used to be real evangelistic when I was nineteen and I became a Christian. You know what my favorite word to use was when I shared my faith with other people. Hell. I like to use that word a lot to remind them what's going to happen if they don't make a certain decision. And you know what? I got to be honest with you, that didn't work that well for me. So. We talked about faith, we talked about knowledge, and so here's the big question I want to ask you today. When it comes to your faith, when it comes to knowing God, do you just believe something or do you know something? Do you just believe these things or have there been some points, some passages that you could take out of this word that are like personal testimonies to you? I know that God is real because this right here, this has happened in my life. I have tasted and seen that this doesn't work for me, but this does. Do you, do you just believe something or do you know something? What about this? Does what you know affect it the way that you feel? Listen, do your emotions influence your faith or does your faith influence your emotions. Let me ask you that again. Does your emotions influence your faith or does your faith influence your emotions? I think if we're all honest, both of those are true. Some days I'm excited about, I can be excited about God. I'm excited about coming to church. I'm excited about what I've seen God do. I'm excited about the way things are going. So my emotions may influence my faith. But sometimes we have to ask the questions, have we been, are we just letting, are we just living off of our own emotions? Because I've told you before that feelings And emotions are neither right or wrong. They just are. But if we bring back some humility from last week, you don't have to believe everything that you think. Not everything that comes quickly across your mind is right. Can I get an amen on that? I've thought some pretty stupid things that I thought might be true. And you don't, just as you don't have to believe everything that you think, and some of us all need to hear this, you also don't need to say everything that you feel. 
Because what happens when you say everything that you feel is that, well, I mean, some people say, well, I'm just honest. I just like to, I just like to tell it like it is. You know, I just like to tell, I like to tell, if I feel it, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to be real. You heard people say that before? You know what the problem with is with that is that as you, if you, if you just want to say whatever you feel, then um, whatever you say, that is how you're going to feel. You're going to be a confession. You're going to be a own, your own walking confession. And as people just hear bitterness and nasty stuff come out of your mouth, then that's pretty much what they're going to know you for. See, it's not hard for us. I, I say us as in the, 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 the church of Jesus Christ. It's not hard for us to see whether there's a man and woman in front of us who knows how to practice some self-control. And Peter is saying how incredib- incredibly important of a witness this is for us to have self-control. Because, see, if you know something, you ought to know that there are some things that will happen to you. Some things that you should expect and sh- that should not have that much effect on your emotions. Because you know, if you know some things, if you've experienced the living God and let him do some work in your life, and it's more than just believing some things, if you know some things, then you know that somewhere today, tomorrow, the next day, someone's going to disagree with you. Today, tomorrow, the next day, someone's going to cut you off in traffic. Someone's going to say something stupid that's going to get under your, your skin. And then we'll, we'll say the stupidest thing, because I say it too, oh, he made me so mad. He did? You gave him that much power? You gave him that much authority? To let, so so the, the, why don't we learn to be authentic and say, he said this, and I got mad. I chose to let what he said, what she said, get under my skin. I chose to wear my emotions on my sleeve and let them run Rashad all over me and lose my self-control. You, you don't hear this happening in our world today, do you? People losing their self-control really quickly. So church, do you see how big of a need it is for us to be a witness, to learn how to bite our tongue? You know, there's going to be some times when we need to stand up for ourselves and we're, we're going to need some times to speak the truth, but it's certainly not going to be in, in, the, in the mode of vengeance. It's not going to be in the mode of spite. It's going to be in the mode of building, of saying something that will build that person across from you, that will build everyone else up in the room. And not just make the person that said the stupid thing that made you mad, not just tear them down. There's enough of that going on. And daggone it, we need the church of Christ to be the church of Christ and build in the middle of the burning. We often, so we have issues. If we do still have issues with with letting our emotions get the best of us and letting our emotions be the primary influencer of our faith, whether I'm having a good day or not. I mean, I mean, mean it. your emotions aren't just right or, or wrong as they are. It's what, what happens is what do we choose to do with those things? That's where sin comes into our life or, or self-control comes into our life. When we feel a way and we choose to be a man of God and a woman of God and practice some self-control or we choose to just act upon it. This is what a scripture says about these things. And I saw a, I saw a sign that I thought was pretty good. Uh, the Church of God right, right over there at Eaton that came in. And the problem with a little sin in our life is that it doesn't stay for a little while. 
we, it becomes like our pet that we get comfortable with, that we keep having in our life because it's not that big of a deal. It's just a minor thing. I like to take shots of people every once in a while just to get under their skin. I like to arouse their emotions, and we like to, to, to keep these things going. And then this, becomes, this sticks around for a while, and it becomes part of our character. And so if this is something we have issues with, here's what Proverbs 4.23 to 27 says. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. And let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. The reason I say this is that if you have, if you know that you have issues with self-control and responding in ways that you know are unhealthy, if we carry this low-grade anger, if if, if this is something for us, then we need to remember that Scripture says, and this is one of the one most forgotten passages these days, to guard your heart. You know that there is stuff you can put into you. You can watch, you can hear, you can read, you can talk about that does not do anything good for you. It just gets your blood boiling. And the command in Scripture is that we need to be people to learn how to guard our heart. I like how Stephen Furtick said, he'll, he'll, he said, we'll put on sunscreen. We'll put on sun, sunscreen for our skin to keep us from getting a sunburn, but we don't do anything to guard our heart. We'll put a security system up about our house, but we won't do anything to pr- protect ourselves from the poison that could ultimately, spiritually, and eternally destroy us. We must learn to guard our heart as we practice self-control. So man of God, woman of God, control yourself. Don't be so, in this season, we are the church, we are longing for the church to be that which is not impulsive. Always based, doing everything based on whatever we feel, whatever we smell, whatever whatever we desire in the given moment, we quickly pursue it without a second of discernment. We can just as easily act like eighth grade girls. I say that because I have two at home. And me and my wife have talked many hours about the things that we see happening in our kids' lives and, and some of the things that are frustrating to us. And we often come to this, we, and the conclusion has always been the same. It really is this age. And I, it really does hold true because I've seen it all my life. I've seen when you get, when you're a middle school kid, your impulses and your hormones are just going all over the place. And that's what you do. You do, you say whatever you think, you say whatever you feel, you do whatever you, you just, everything is 100% impulsive. And as a father, you long for your kids to grow up. And I wonder if our father, for the church and for men and women of God, if he's still longing for us to understand that this impulsive lifestyle 
is only going to keep getting you in more trouble. There's an experiment done way back in 1970 by a doctor named Walter Michel. And uh, it's kind of a cruel experiment, really. I mean, but not, not very cruel. But he just took, he, he took uh, kids and he, he placed a couple marshmallows in front of them. And they didn't know too much of what was going on. These were, ele- these were uh, elementary school kids. And he said, uh, hey, I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm going to give you two marshmallows, okay? But if you get tired of waiting for me to come back, you can just ring the bell and I'll come back and I'll give you one marshmallow, okay? If you wait for me to come back, I'll give you two marshmallows. And if you, if you, you know, get tired of waiting on me and just ring the bell, I'll come back and give you one marshmallow. So they did this all research and all this project, and they noticed the difference in the kids. And so they, they followed, they did a full longitudinal study. They, they allowed the study to last for a longer period of time and track these kids throughout the rest of their life. And the kids that learned how to wait, they had the higher SAT scores. Um, they, they went on to more productive lives. And the kids that did not were the ones that were more prone to become bullies. They had bad reports from their teachers and did not excel nearly as much in life. And these, this is back in 1970. This is a basic experiment of the contrast between being able to wait Okay, delayed gratification versus being impulsive. I gotta have the marshmallow. I gotta say this stupid thing right now. <laughs> I, I, I have to let others know how I feel right now. Even though it might not be beneficial, even though it might not build anybody else up, I have to say it right now. And this is, is one of the oldest oldest obvious realities in scripture in our world today that we see in proverbs that we do not see much in the world around us people learning how to practice self-control and humility together and learn how to be builders rather than burners so this is much more this is not just about your tongue but it's also about the patterns in your life and so I'm just going to finish the rest of this text. I'm back in in first in Second Peter verses. Uh, I'm going to pick up in verse seven through or chapter one, verse seven. I'm just going to read the rest of this. And he talks about from self control to perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. We need to persevere in our self control. We need to learn how to love others as ourself. And then we will ultimately, from mutual affection to love, we will understand what love is. We see love in Scripture. It's often the word agape, which is sacrificial love. Not something that we feel, something that we do. A demeanor that we have. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being, listen to this, because this is the point of all of this, in the middle of a time of burning, If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in what you know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are people in churches all across America that don't need another Sunday school class, that don't need another sermon, they don't even need another experience with God. They just need to practice what they know. I get an amen on that. In the middle of the burning, the church needs to build with what they know about 
the living God. But whoever does not have them, whoever does not do these things, is nearsighted. And when I say nearsighted, I'm not saying this was Peter's intentions at all when he wrote this, but what quickly comes to mind is that way of thinking that I said a prayer when I was 17, so if I just keep coming to church, I'm good to go. Faith is all about me getting to heaven, but that's not at all what this book is about. It has everything to do with that prayer that we pray. Uh, we, we, we say every, every morning here, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are the church of Jesus Christ and called to bring that which is eternal here now into this earth as the church of Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed by past sins. So last thing I want to do this morning is a way of application. I'm not going to... I'm not going to play any music. I thought about doing that. I have a um, devotion that sometimes I'll just, I'll get into something and it's exactly on, on what I'll be preaching on that week. And by the way, this has been out of, and I don't, I don't say this uh, lightly, out of my whole lifetime, this has hands down been my favorite devotion I've ever had. It's called Solo. It's called, a, it's an uncommon devotional. It's got the message version of scripture, which for me is great because I, you know, I read the NIV. I've been reading all the other different contexts. So it's always Great to hear this in plain language. But it's designed in Lectio Divina, which just means it's a way for you to get the word and an experience with God at the same time because it forces you to reflect upon some things. It gives some direct things for you to think about with this text rather than just reading a text. So I'm saying all this out loud because if you want one of these, I'll, I'll, I'll go halvesies. It's always good when you pay for it. I'll go halvesies with the first two or three people that tell me after service they'd like to get a copy of this because I'm telling you, hands down, this has been the best devotion I have ever had. And so we're going to conclude just with a simple reflection out of this passage. And you don't need to put this on the screen. I'm going to read Proverbs 16, 21 through 22 to you in the message version. And then I'm going to uh, give you some, some reflection as we conclude. It says in Proverbs 16, 21 through 22, a wise person gets known for insight. Gracious, gracious words add to one's reputation. True intelligence is a spring of fresh water, while fools sweat it out the hard way. They make a lot of sense, these wise folks. Whenever they speak, their reputation increases. Gracious speech is like clover honey. Good taste to the soul. Quick energy for the body. There's a way that looks harmless enough that everyone participates in. But look again. It leads straight to hell. Appetite is an incentive to work, and hunger makes you work all the harder. Mean people spread mean gossip. Their words smart and burn. Troublemakers start fights. Gossips break up friendship. Callous climbers betray their very own friends, and they'd stab their own grandmothers in the back. But a shifty eye betrays an evil intention, and a clenched jaw signals trouble ahead. Gray hair is a mark of distinction and the award of a God-loyal life. Moderation is better than muscle and self-control better than political power. So here's some reflection thoughts. If you would like to just close your eyes right now, we're just going to take a moment and let the Lord speak to you through these things. I'm just going to ask a few questions and allow you to meditate on this word and even the word that we have shared today.
You may have heard the saying that only two things cannot be taken back, time and our words. Think back over all the words you have said in conversation over the past 24 hours. Conversations you have had with friends, comments you have made in passing, phone calls, jokes you have told, and so on. What percentage of your conversation would you say was positive, encouraging, and uplifting? What percentage was negative, discouraging, and sarcastic? Consider the words you are glad that you said. Consider the words you regret saying. For the words you regret, ask for forgiveness. Right now, if you need to do that in your your own time, your time of reflection. For the positive words you spoke, thank God they they were words that build up rather than tore down. Ask God to bring to mind words of truth and healing that you could speak to others. Ask him to bring to mind specific people to whom you could speak these words in the next few days. To those whom you could build. Have the courage to seek out opportunities to speak words of truth and healing to people who are in need to hear them. Hold your tongue when you are upset and frustrated and when you are about to speak words you will regret. Above all else, ask God to help you guard your mouth by thinking before speaking. So let's take that reflection and conclude it with a word of prayer this morning. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this word that has been passed on from generation to generation, thousands of years ago, is now fresh and relevant for us today. If we're going to build in the middle of the burning, we must be people with humility and we must be people who practice self-control. And in the Christian faith, self-control, being a Christ follower is not primarily about the things that we don't do, the things that we restrain ourselves from, but more about the building that we do. Because we can't control ourselves and we can be so impulsive, we miss the opportunities that we have to build if we will slow down and take a step back and realize the good that we can do in any context. Lord, I thank you because that word speaks to me and I know that that word can speak to others if we can slow down and build all across this church. May we see ourselves as builders and not burners, not tearing things down, but building new bridges with new creativity and looking for the good and finding the opportunity to speak life and make things whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll remind you before your benediction today that we are again having our drive through community meal Wednesday. There will be a deacon meeting following. If you could help us spread the word, we want to make sure we get rid of all 50 meals this week. And, of course, you're welcome to one of them, too. Um, this is completely free to anyone that comes through. It's just going to be a drive through meal this Wednesday night. So for your benediction, may you be a builder in the midst of the burning. And may you practice humility and self-control as a key that opens doors of opportunities to bring life and truth to a world in need of direction from the church of Jesus Christ. 
God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.